Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's uh, turn and uh, start here in Genesis chapter 29. As we uh, continue here, verse 20, we'll um, look to the Lord first in prayer. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. Your word, our hearts, Our hearts need your word this morning. Teach us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Genesis chapter 29, verse 20. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed unto him but a few days for the love he had to her. Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled, that I may go in unto her. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast, and it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to him, and he went in unto her. And Laban gave unto his daughter Leah Zilpah, his maid for an handmaid. And it came to pass that in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, what is this that thou hast done unto me? Did not I serve thee for Rachel? Wherefore then hast thou beguiled me? Laban said, it must not be so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week, and we will give thee this also for the service, which thou shalt serve me yet seven other years. Jacob did so and fulfilled her week, and he gave him Rachel, his daughter, to wife also. Laban gave to Rachel, his daughter Bilhah, his handmaid, to be her maid, and he went in also unto Rachel, and he loved also Rachel more than Leah and served him yet seven other years. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben, for she said, Surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. That's really something. In our last study, we saw in verse 22, Laban, he sprung into action to deceive uh, Jacob there. It says, Laban gathered together all the men of the place. Verse 22, made a feast. Now those words in verse 22, Laban made a feast. We saw how that was really a feast to distract Jacob so that he could deceive him. And as we're reading those words, they're like chilling to us when we read Laban made a feast because why is it chilling? It carries our minds back to when Jacob made a feast for Isaac. When we look at verse 22, Laban made a feast, we think of back on the time when Jacob made a feast and the similarities here between what Jacob did to Isaac and what Laban did to Jacob, they're just chilling for us to see because we can see so clearly in this, God at work bringing this punishment on Jacob to bring before Jacob's eyes the sin that he did against his father Isaac. All that deception and that lying. And we remember when Jacob introduced himself as the firstborn at the instigation of Sarah, his mother, and here we see Leah, the firstborn, introducing herself to Jacob as the secondborn by the instigation of her father Laban. 
And we remember when Jacob was made to appear as his brother Esau, and here we see Leah made to appear as her sister Rachel, and God is punishing. We see God is punishing Jacob for his sins. It reminds us, it reminds us of how God punished King David after he took Bathsheba, who was Uriah's wife, and David went in unto Bathsheba, and later we read what Absalom did to David in 2 Samuel 16, 22, where it says, and they spread Absalom a tent upon the top of the house, and Absalom went in unto his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. And we remember when Sarah was so forceful with Jacob that she told him, don't argue with me, just obey my voice. And here we see in verse 23, it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to him, and he went into her. So we see these words, he took Leah, which show us how forceful Laban was. And remember, we remember how Sarah so lightly, so flippantly, so sarcastically just brushed off Jacob's opposition to this deception when she said, upon me be thy curse, only obey my voice. And here we see Laban so lightly, so flippantly, so sarcastically just brushing off Jacob's protest in verse 26, Laban said, it must not be so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. And I was speaking with uh, Clinton uh, here at Prairie last Sunday, and Clinton was mentioning to me, it was very wicked what Laban did. And it was, it was very wicked what Laban did. And we see it was very wicked of Laban. And the verse that brings out just how wicked a thing that Laban did is verse 23. It came to pass that evening that he took his daughter and brought her to him and he went unto her. See, these words in verse 23 really carry home what Laban did. See, in that verse, we can see Jacob after seven years of being sick with love for Rachel and waiting in the dark for Rachel, when it says it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to him. See, we can see in that verse, Laban putting Leah into the arms of Jacob instead of Rachel. And with those words in verse 23, it came to pass in the evening, he took Leah's daughter, brought her to him. We can see how many people Laban selfishly wronged. He wronged by putting Leah into Jacob's arms. Laban obviously wronged Jacob by making him think that he was marrying Rachel that night by making Jacob marry, actually, Leah that night. See, Laban wronged Jacob by making Jacob a polygamist. Laban wronged Jacob by making him marry two sisters, which was spoken about in the book of Leviticus when God says, don't you marry two sisters because one's gonna envy the other, it's gonna be trouble in the home. Laban did that. Laban wronged Jacob by making his house a war zone for the rest of his life. And by putting Leah into Jacob's arms, Laban wronged Rachel, who thought she was gonna marry Jacob that night. See, Laban wronged Rachel by ruining her home with polygamy. Laban wronged Rachel by setting her to be forever in a battle with her sister Leah. See, by putting Leah into Jacob's arms, 
Jacob was wronged by Laban, and Leah was wronged also by Laban, who had no idea that she was going to marry Jacob that night. Laban wronged Leah by ruining her home also, polygamy. Laban wronged Leah by making her forever to fight with her sister. Laban wronged Leah by making Leah to be nothing better than an adulteress. And it was a very selfish thing. It was a very wicked thing that Laban had did when it says in verse 23 that he took Leah's daughter and brought her to him and he went into her. Now we have a detail, a very important detail given to us in verse 24 when it says, and Laban gave unto his daughter Leah Zilpah for an handmaid. You know, we find out in verse 24 that Leah was given this, his maid. It was Laban's maid that was given to be a handmaid. We don't know where she came from. We don't really know very much about the origin of Zilpah at all other than that she's just identified as a maid of Laban. What we can see is that no matter where she came from, uh, Laban wronged her too by putting her into a war zone for the rest of her life. You know, and in those days, when a man had children, when a man had daughters with a concubine, it was common for those daughters to be called maids instead of daughters. So it's believed that Zilpah was probably from one of Laban's concubines. But Zilpah becomes a very important person in Israel's history because she will become the mother of two tribes of Israel, Gad and Naphtali. So to to see in verse 24, Laban gave unto his daughter Leah Zilpah, his maid, for an handmaid. We can see here, this is the origin of the two tribes of Israel. It's very humbling for the Jewish people. It's very humbling. It's nothing for the Jewish people to take pride in. Their origins here is nothing to take pride in. And God has recorded the origin of the Jewish people in this chapter very carefully. It's all recorded here very carefully with all the deception and all the wickedness and all the dark night and the switching of women and putting the wrong daughter into the arms of an anxious Jacob and giving his children from his concubine to be maids. This is the origin of the Jewish people, folks. (laughs) And God wants the Jewish people to see this so that they will never be proud of their origins Never be proud of their origins. Just God wants the Jewish people to repeat a statement. And he gave that statement in Deuteronomy 26.5 as if God was saying to the Jewish people, when you feel like you're getting proud, say these words. And Moses said in Deuteronomy 26.5, and thou shalt speak and say before the Lord thy God, Assyrian ready to perish was my father. And he went down into Egypt and sojourned there with a few and became a nation great, mighty, and popular. Syrian ready to perish. Yeah. All kinds of dark history in chapter 29 was my origin. See, the Jewish people came from the stock of those who deceived with very shady dealings here. And God wants the Jewish people to understand their origins of Genesis so that they'll not become pride. That's why these, all these terrible details are recorded for us in Genesis 29. And in the same way, God wants us to t- never forget our origins and where we came from so we never become proud. And that's why Paul recorded for us in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Know you not, the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, either fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, abusers of themselves with mankind, thieves, covetous, drunkards, quite a list. Revilers, extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. He says, that was you. 
but now you're washed, you're sanctified, you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of a God, of our God. See, God wants us to never forget the stock that some of us came from. What stock? Stock of fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, the effeminate, abusers of themselves with mankind, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners. Never be proud of where you came from. And there's something else we see here in verse 24 when it says, and Laban gave unto his daughter Leah, Zilpah, his maid for a, a handmaid. See, it was customary to give a bride a handmaid. And we saw this in the case of Rebekah coming out of the same place where it says in Genesis 24, 59, and they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse. And Abraham said, serving as men. See, and her nurse. So what we can see from this verse is that when Rebecca left, she had a nurse with her. It appears that she had more than just one female companion because a little bit later in Genesis 24, 61, it says, and Rebecca arose and her damsels, and they rode upon the camels and followed the man, and the servant took Rebecca and went his way. See, this leads us to ask, what did these nurses or these maids do? What did they do? Well, of course they took care of the needs, but they also became something else. They became confidence. They became like valuable, very valuable as friends. You know, women need women for friends, especially since men are from Mars and women are from Venus. (laughs) And only another woman can understand a woman. And only another man can understand a man. And even though a man and a woman are married, there are dimensions of closeness that a husband and a wife can never know. And that can only be realized between a woman and a woman and a man and a man. And that's what these handmaids did. That's, you see, what did Zilpah do for Leah? Zilpah was a friend for Leah. In the house, Leah so desperately needed a friend. I mean, after all, Leah didn't have a friend in the world. She didn't have a friend for her father. He wronged her. Leah didn't have a friend in her husband because in her own words in verse 33, She said, my husband hates me. Leah didn't have a friend in her sister, Rachel. They fought like two uh, cats and dogs. They were jealous over the same man, Jacob. So Leah, who did Leah have to talk to? No, who did Leah have to confide in? Who did Leah have to share her burdens with? Whose shoulder did Leah have to cry on? Who did Leah go to pray with? Zilpah, very important person. But in Zilpah, Leah found a friend that she could talk to, she could confide in, she could share her burdens with, she could laugh with, she could cry with, she could pray with. Zilpah was a real friend to Leah. I feel sorry for the person who doesn't have a friend like Zilpah in his life. You know, we all need a friend like Zilpah. A man needs a man for a friend, a woman needs a woman for a friend. And just as Leah valued Zilpah's friendship, so we should value these friendships in life. You know, Leah, she spent her life with a heavy heart. She needed Zilpah. We need a friend like Zilpah we can confide in. And Leah found that friend in Zilpah. And in order for Leah to be a friend to Zilpah, Leah had to open up. Open up to Zilpah. Leah had to let down her walls to Zilpah and open up to Zilpah. It's a very sad person who's described by Paul Simon, you know, the song, I've built walls 
a fortress deep and mighty that none may penetrate. I have no need of friendship. Friendship causes pain. It's laughter and it's loving I disdain. Hiding in my room, safe within my womb, I touch no one and no one touches me. I am a rock, I am an island, and a rock feels no pain, and an island never cries. It's a very sad thing to be a rock, very sad thing to be an island. Reminds me last week at Grossmont Hospital on Wednesday, last Wednesday, the hospital had its second, they're trying this, second full day orientation for new employees. And so at the board meeting, they announced this. And so immediately, can I go? And they said, yeah, if you want. Okay. So I walked in. I thought, well, I'll just be a silent person here. I walk in the back of the room, 15 new employees in the room. Immediately, they said, oh, a board member has just arrived. He'll be our next speaker. <laughs> I said, okay. Talked about, you know, why the hospital's good. And then at the end of the meeting, they did something very interesting. They gave to every new employee there, the 50 there, a little card. And on the card was written, I believe I can make a difference in the lives, speaking of patients, in the lives every day by, colon, you write it down. Everybody had to write it down. They wrote down. Nobody knew it was going to happen. They wrote down what their answer was. Everybody thought whether it was going to, you're just going to turn the card in or give it in. No, each of you get up and tell your peers now. (laughs) Read that on the card. It was very good. And I was thinking to myself, well, I'm glad they didn't give me a card. And then each of the 50 new employees, they wrote their response and they stood up in front of the group and they read what was on their cards. It was very interesting. And I think, okay, I'm off the hook since I wasn't getting a card. Except when everybody was finished, they said, now we'd like our board member to now stand up and uh, <laughs> tell and close the meeting, you know? So I thought, well, okay, what am I going to say? Well, at the meeting, they brought in seven therapy dogs. You know what a therapy dog is? The cutest dogs you've ever seen. Labradors, Labradoodle. Well, you know, if I worked here every day, I would look at each patient at Grossmont Hospital bed, and I remember, I told I would remember when I was in a Grossmont Hospital bed and heard the words, you have cancer. And I'd let something happen. And then I said, and I remember when I was in a Grossmont Hospital bed, and I heard the words, 90% of your blood to your heart is blocked. And I'd let something happen. You know, I said, how many of you, I'm not talking to you, how many of you petted the dogs, you know? How many of you felt it in your heart, your heart kind of go out, love the dogs, love the dogs? Well, let me tell you about me. I'll never have a dog because you know why? I don't want to let myself fall in love with a dog because I don't want to go through the death of a dog. I don't want to do it because I don't want to have my heart broken when the dog dies. Been there, done that, don't want to do that again. So I guardedly petted the dogs. And the dog was trying to get close to me. And, you know, I had my notepad. And so I'm like this, you know. (laughs) I'm like, keep that dog away from me. (laughs) See, I'm not going to let my heart get broken. And, you know, I'm like holding the dog back with the pad of paper while I kind of reach over and pet the dog. And the dog is singing to me, you are a rock. You are an island. (laughs) A rock feels no pain. Island never cries. And so I explained to him, I said, you know what happens at this hospital? Pain happens here. Deep pain. Death happens here. Breaking of hearts happen here. Patients here at Grossmont Hospital, they're as perceptive as those dogs. And they know when you keep a notepad or a clinical chart between you and them. They know when you're just kind of keeping your distance, guarding your heart from being broken by their condition. And if you do that, then the patients are going to sing to you. You are a rock. You are an island. Rock feels no pain. Island never cries. 
But if you want to make a difference in the lives of the patients at Grossmont Hospital, love the dog. Remove your pad between you and the dog. Let your heart be broken. Love the patients. Let your guard down between you and the patients. Let your heart be broken for their condition. That'll give you the sympathy and the empathy to make a difference in the lives of the patients. And that's what has to happen for you to be effective here at the hospital, sympathy and empathy. Now, that's a picture between Leah and Zilpah. Both of them had reason to be bitter. Both of them had reason to crawl within their cave, but there's no evidence at all in the scripture, that either Leah or Zilpah were bitter. And that made them able to have something beautiful, friendship between them. Neither of them asked to be put in this horrible situation that they found themselves in. But they had each other, and because they had each other, they had friendship. And friendship can be a beautiful thing for all of us if we just do what Paul said to do in Ephesians 4, 31 through 32. Ephesians 4, 31 through 32, where Paul says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind one to another, tenderhearted. See, God looked at Leah's horrible condition. And you know what God said? God said, that's a horrible condition. (laughs) And he said, I'm gonna give her a zilpah because she needs a Zilpah, a very needed friend for Leah. And that's what God does in our life. He sees what we're going through, and he compensates. He takes care of us. You know, God was watching Leah's condition very carefully, and God saw that Leah, boy, she's in danger of becoming overburdened with discouragement. This is too hard for her situation. Leah needs a friend. Leah needs a Zilpah. The word zilpa means dropping like the fragrance of perfume, like myrrh, like it drops and it brings this pleasant scent, which is what Song of Solomon's talking about in Psalm Song of Solomon 5 5, where it says, I rose up to open to my beloved, and my hands dropped with myrrh, and my fingers with sweet smelling myrrh upon the handles of the lock. See, Zilpah means it's referring to this dropping of a sweet perfume. And God knew that Leah is going to need the encouragement of a sweet-smelling Zilpah in her life. And for that reason, for Leah, to thank God, Leah had a choice in life. Because Leah could have said, you know, I've been wronged, and I'm angry, and I'm bitter, and I have every right to be angry, and every right to be bitter. And I have every reason to be angry and every reason to be bitter. And I'm going to be angry and bitter. She could have gone down that road. And that could have been Leah's life. No indication of that at all. And we see that in the way she named her children. We will see it. Or Leah could have said, and she did say, Oh, God, I love you because you saw how much I was wronged and how discouraged I was. You saw I needed a friend. You gave me Zilpah. I love you and praise you, God, for giving me Zilpah as a friend. It's a choice. It's always the way it is. Anyway, then we come in verse 25. The verse 25 is the big crash. You know, there's the crash. Came to pass it in the morning. Behold, it was Leah. Crash. He said to Laban, what's this you've done to me? I didn't, didn't I serve you for Rachel? Why did you do this? Why did you beguile me? Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.com. 
friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org, Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Do you have a heart for Israel and lost Jewish people in America? Then come work in Southern California as a full-time or volunteer missionary working with Tom Cantor in Israel Restoration Ministries, reaching lost Jewish people with their Jewish Messiah, Jesus Christ. Hourly wage, 401k, health insurance, company car, and phone, and other amazing benefits. Call us, 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, israelrestoration.org. Looking for an exciting career in the medical field or biotech industry? Join Scanabody's Biologics, founded by a Christian businessman, Tom Cantor. It's a premier company dedicated to advancing patient care and serving the community of San Diego. Scanabody's has global operations and over 700 employees and growing. And if you have a heart for people and a desire to join a leading biotech company, call us 619-258-9300, 619-258-9300, scanabodies.com, that's scanabodies.com. 